Thank you one and all for supporting my podcast. All of the likes, shares, DMs, and emails I've received about the topics I discuss keep me encouraged. Please continue sending the love, sharing my podcast, rating my podcast five stars if you think it's worthy of that. And if you are so inclined, drop a little something-something in my virtual tip jar. Details for that are in the podcast description. And speaking of podcasts, mine begins now. So I read this article from the Los Angeles Times called Why Won't Black Folks Trust Us on COVID-19? And I thought it was fascinating yet obvious in terms of the answer to that question. Let me share a few quotes from that article. Indeed, across the United States, only 32% of black adults said they would definitely or probably take a COVID-19 vaccine, according to the Pew Research Center. Another study by the COVID Collaborative and the NAACP found that most black people don't believe a vaccine will be safe or effective and don't plan to get it. In California, it's even worse, with fewer than 30% of black people saying they would probably or definitely get vaccinated. The lowest percentage of any racial group surveyed by the Public Policy Institute of California, though Latinos weren't far behind. Further down the article, it uh, says here, Dr. Flojane Kofer, an epidemiologist and a senior director of policy at the statewide nonprofit Public Health Advocates, describes it as three hot takes that add up to a no-win scenario. The first option for counties is to roll out the vaccines to everyone at the same time, ignoring the fact that black, Latino, and indigenous populations are getting COVID-19 at higher rates and are dying of it at younger ages than the rest of the population. That will lead to accusations that there's no equity because you're just giving it to everybody all willy-nilly at the same time. The second option is to target black people and roll it out in neighborhoods that have logged the most cases. But then, Kofor said, people are going to say, oh no, you're not gonna experiment on us like you did with Tuskegee. The third option is to roll it out specifically to white people living in neighborhoods that haven't been hit as hard by COVID-19. But then, black people will say, so you're going to save yourselves and leave the rest of us to fend for ourselves? And all three of those hot takes Kofor added, are absolutely valid and correct. Of those three options, one of them really resonated with me because I heard it the most in my personal network. I'll share which one and why after this word from my sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Black History Quiz because it takes more than a month to learn our history. History is not black and white. It's complicated. America was built on slave labor, yet blacks owned slaves as well. The Republican Party was founded to abolish slavery, but today most blacks vote Democrat. And sometimes, just sometimes, African kings marry white. No matter the race, people are complicated, filled with contradictions and change with the times. To view history through the lenses of today's culture cheats the learner of the full story. Black History Quiz is a newsletter that shares facts you might not have learned in school and certainly did not learn from mainstream media. 
Black History Quiz educates, sparks debate, and often puts history in a brand new light. Visit blackhistoryquiz.com and subscribe to the weekly newsletter. No matter your perspective of history, you will not be disappointed. Blackhistoryquiz.com Of the three options I mentioned earlier, the comment about Tuskegee (laughs) uh, really resonated with me. The notion of black people being subjected to medical experiments with and without their knowledge is a long and sordid history. When talks of a COVID vaccine first began making the rounds, conversations about the Tuskegee experiment soon followed. Here's a quote from History.com, just in case you were unfamiliar with the Tuskegee experiment. The Tuskegee experiment began in 1932 at a time when there was no known treatment for syphilis. After being recruited by the promise of free medical care, 600 men originally were enrolled in the project. The participants were primarily sharecroppers and many had never before visited a doctor. Doctors from the U.S. Public Health Service, which was running the study, informed the participants, 399 men with latent syphilis and a control group of 201 others who were free of the disease, they were being treated for bad blood a term commonly used in the area at the time to refer to a variety of ailments. The men were monitored by health workers, but only given placebos such as aspirin and mineral supplements, despite the fact penicillin became the recommended treatment for syphilis in 1947. Public health service researchers convinced local physicians in Macon County not to treat the participants, and research was done at the Deskegee Institute, In order to track the disease's full progression, researchers provided no effective care as the men died, went blind, or insane, or experienced other severe health problems due to their untreated syphilis. There have been several reports, documentaries, and even a major motion picture about the Tuskegee experiment starring Lawrence Fishburne and Alfred Woodward, all about how those black men were treated. And to his credit, President Bill Clinton formally apologized for the Tuskegee experiment on behalf of the United States. What was done cannot be undone, but we can end the silence. We can stop turning our heads away. We can look at you in the eye and finally say on behalf of the American people, What the United States government did was shameful, and I am sorry. For only you, Mr. Shaw, the others who are here, the family members who are with us in Tuskegee, only you have the power to forgive. Although the Tuskegee experiment is the most infamous example of medical experimentation on black people, it is not the only example. As recently as 2014, a CDC whistleblower claimed that the MMR vaccine caused autism in black males. Listen to this quote from the blog Hang the Bankers. (laughs) 
A top research scientist working for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, played a key role in helping Dr. Brian Hooker of the Focus Autism Foundation uncover data manipulation by the CDC that obscured a higher incidence of autism in African-American boys. The whistleblower came to the attention of Hooker, a PhD in biochemical engineering, after he had made a Freedom of Information Act request for original data on the Stefano MMR measles, mumps, rubella, and autism study. Dr. Hooker's study, published August 8th in the peer-reviewed scientific journal Translational Neurodegeneration, shows that African-American boys receiving their first MMR, that's measles, mumps, rubella, vaccine before 36 months of age are 3.4 times more likely to develop autism versus after 36 months. According to Dr. Hooker, the CDC whistleblower informant who wishes to remain anonymous, guided him to evidence that a statistically significant relationship between the age the MMR, measles, mumps, rubella, vaccine was first given and autism incidence in African-American boys was hidden, hidden by CDC researchers. The measles, mumps, rubella vaccine controversy was in 2014. The Tuskegee experiment began in 1932, and there are others I could cite, like um, Henrietta Lacks. Now, Henrietta Lacks was born in 1920 in Virginia and died of cervical cancer in 1951. Cells taken from her body without her knowledge were used to form the HeLa cell line, which has been used extensively in medical research since that time. Henrietta Lacks' case has sparked legal and ethical debates over the rights of an individual to his or her genetic material and tissue. In 2017, Rebecca Sklute, author of The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, was interviewed by Katie Couric about Henrietta Lacks and how science had a history of exploiting African Americans for research. <laughs> Listen to this clip. This isn't the first case where African-Americans were used against their will for scientific research, right? Not at all. And telling those stories, I think, is a very important part of healing that, you know, because we still have a problem with disparities in access to care. And there's a lot of fear connected to going to the doctor. Research on African-Americans without their consent dates back to slavery times. But then in more recent times, I mean, the Tuskegee syphilis studies is sort of one of the most unethical research studies ever done in the United States is hundreds of black men with syphilis were studied to basically watch how syphilis killed you from infection to death, even though it was treatable. So they withheld treatment. They didn't tell the men they were infected, which meant they also then, in some cases, infected their wives. So when the cells were taken from Henrietta in the 50s, she didn't know that these cells had been taken. No one asked her consent. And her family didn't know. She died soon after. And for 25 years, her cells were used in research, leading to incredible advances without her family having any idea. And then in the 70s, scientists tracked down her kids to do research on them to learn more about the cells. And that happened to be the same time period that the Tuskegee syphilis studies hit the press. 
So all the newspapers were filled with stories of scientists doing research on black men without their consent. And so for the Lacks family, it was terrifying, but it also felt culturally like this moment where, where it was like, see, this is what happens. And one more instance for good measure. I present to you J. Marion Sims, known today as the father of modern gynecology. Here's a quote about him from History.com. James Marion Sims developed pioneering tools and surgical techniques related to women's reproductive health and is credited as the father of modern gynecology. The 19th century physician has been lionized with statues in New York City, South Carolina, and Pennsylvania. But because Sims' research was conducted on enslaved black women without anesthesia, medical ethicists, historians, and others have called for those monuments to be removed or for them to be reconfigured as tributes to the enslaved women known to have endured his experiments. Sims, who practiced medicine at a time when treating women was considered distasteful and rarely done, invented the vaginal speculum, a tool used for dilation and examination. He also pioneered a surgical technique to repair vesicovaginal fistula, a common 19th century complication of childbirth in which a tear between the uterus and bladder caused constant pain and urine leakage. Sims defenders say the southern-born slaveholder was simply a man of his time for whom the end justified the means and that enslaved women with fistulas were likely to have wanted the treatment badly enough that they would have agreed to take part in his experiments. But history hasn't recorded their voices and consent from their owners, who had a strong financial interest in their recovery, was the only legal requirement of the time. <laughs> so, all that to say, I don't believe black people would take the COVID-19 vaccines because they don't want to be secretly experimented on. Some will. Yes, some will. Uh, but certainly not all. I could be wrong. And if I may be so bold... Uh, let me ask you, are you African-American? If so, uh, what do you think about what I just shared? Are you taking the COVID-19 vaccine? You have been listening to the Things I Think About podcast. If you love what you heard, hate what you heard, or don't know what you just heard, I want to know about it. Drop me an email. I can be reached at Jim Stroud. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D at jimstroud.com. So, until next time, bye-bye.